0: Imagine building a more successful hypnosis business just in the next 10 days. To learn how, please visit WorkSmartHypnosis.com and take the 10-Day Hypnosis Business Challenge. Yours free today. Welcome to the WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here with the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, session number 13. Session number 13, hypnotic tips for public speaking, part one. That's right, part one. This is going to be a two-part series, or maybe even three parts if I end up talking way too long about this. Uh, Right now, it is Friday, August 15th, 2014, as I'm recording this. This is actually going to drop a little earlier than uh, planned. There's actually a number of interviews I've pushed back slightly because I want to put this information out there right away. I just came back from the National Guild of Hypnotists Convention that was held in Marlborough, Massachusetts just last weekend. Had a fabulous time. I uh, was there giving a couple of presentations. Had a table in the bookstore as well. Sales were fantastic. Uh, just to go through my notes here, a big thank you, of course, to all the staff who puts on that amazing event, from Dr. Dwight Damon, Elsam Elders Jr., to, again, all the staff behind the scenes that makes that event flow so seamlessly. Um, well over a 1,000 people, about 300 workshops going on, and just things happen like clockwork amazingly. So, again... Thanks, everyone, for putting that amazing event on. Great to meet a lot of you out there. It's always really wonderful to have people come up and say they've been listening to this program and interacting with it, and more especially putting that information to use. This past weekend was technically the official launch of Hypnosis Business Bootcamp. That's my 20 hour plus business training just for hypnotists, and actually had fantastic sales to that as well. If you want the preview of that, that's what you hear in the introductory notes. That's the 10-Day Hypnosis Business Challenge, 10 days of videos, 10 days of action steps. If you don't have that yet, go to www.10dayhypnobiz.com, and that'll redirect right there, though chances are it's all over worksmarthypnosis.com. On top of everything, had a Wonderful surprise Saturday night at the banquet, uh, winning one of the major awards that the National Guild gives out each year at the convention the Ormond McGill Chair, which is presented for the best of the best of the previous year's faculty members. This is uh, voted on by the membership, voted on by my peers. So out of the 14,000 plus international members of the 300 presentations featured at last year's convention, uh, I won that award. So wonderful honor. And it's the Ormond McGill Chair. It literally is a chair. Go to the show notes for this uh, session. You'll see the photos of that here at the office now. I've been sharing the wonderful arc of surprise as that uh, happened. Uh, the first moment of, oh, wow, followed by, how the hell am I going to get that home? Followed by finding out they'll ship it to me. Then, oh, wow, well, once again. Uh, so thank you, everybody who had a part of that. It's a wonderful surprise, a, a wonderful honor, and especially to uh, to have an award with uh, Orman McGill's name on it. The topic of this series, this part one and part two, hypnotic tips for public speaking. Uh, I wanted to share this information just because it's interesting that, uh, uh, of course, as hypnotists, we work with clients working to overcome a fear of public speaking very frequently. It's probably one of my uh, favorite niche markets that I do quite a bit of uh, marketing and promotion just to get that one category. It's something I just love working with. And out of it all, though, and you've perhaps heard me talk in other formats and other situations all about uh, shooting videos and giving presentations, and it all comes down to public speaking, being able to get up in front of a group of people and feel comfortable. And even the environment right here, I'm here in the office in front of a microphone and speaking directly into it as if there's a group here in front of me. You know, I often share that how do you do recordings, how do you do videos that really work? Uh, And perhaps to use a little bit of hypnosis and get yourself into a wonderful positive hallucination that the camera lens or the microphone in front of you is that avatar of that person you'd like to be speaking to, that ideal client or that ideal audience member. So being that uh, we just came back from this event with about 300 presentations, a lot of wonderful events there, Um, all these conventions, when you get a chance, if they record the audios, You know, even if it's a bit of an investment, buy them all, specifically because you never know what you're missing. You know, you could just go attend a few certain workshops and then go back and just buy the ones you listened to that you enjoyed. Uh, But I'd reference uh, actually a local hypnotist in my area, Tim Horn. Uh, When I first met him, I was then able to go back to my library of all the past uh, National Guild of Hypnotists recordings and then go back and actually listen to them as well. Um, And other conventions, too. I've made it a point that even if I can't attend... I'm going to get those audios because you never know what you're going to miss. Uh, So it's just a wonderful resource, and I'm a big fan of the Mobile University. So driving back and forth to my office and making use of that information. But on to the content, hypnotic tips for public speaking. Again, it's a thing that as hypnotists, it's probably one of the fastest, most reliable, most efficient ways that I know to rapidly build a business. One of the presentations I gave at the convention this year uh, was actually all about my formula for giving an effective elevator talk, perhaps at a networking event or a public speaking event. How do you grab attention in 30 to 45 seconds and then have that so people want to ask you more, people want to interact with you? And I very commonly will share that if your fear is getting up and speaking, well, we're hypnotists, right? Find somebody you can work with and address that. Yet at the same time, you're gonna find in this presentation here, there's a number of tips and tricks that are gonna come along the way that perhaps are outside of the hypnosis industry as well as a few that are rather hypnotic in nature. I've prepared about uh, maybe 15 or 16 different notes, which is again, this is why this is gonna be part one of this series. So let's jump right in. So first of all, let's begin with pacing and leading interaction. Now this is an interesting concept. How many times have you seen a presentation where the speaker will then ask the group a question, ask the group to interact, and then it's met with complete silence? Just like that. Now, perhaps the reason behind that is that, again, in terms of back to our hypnosis, back to our NLP terminology, our neurolinguistic programming understanding that we all have, we're pacing and leading. So if the format has been lecture, 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 lecture question, they're not quite expecting that interaction. They're not quite expecting that call and response that we're now inviting. So how do we begin to pace and lead interaction? Well, here's my formula. If you're planning on doing interaction at some point within the group, invite movement, invite compliance before you actually need that interaction. And I'll give you an example. In the hypnosis certification class that I do, uh, I've borrowed the, uh, the practice session out of uh, Bandler and Grinder's Transformations, just to sit and maintain meaningful eye contact without any other instructions than person A being the hypnotist, person B being the client, and then you apply the second phase of that's right, as many people have done since that book has been published, and I'm sure many people before that book as well. So prior to that, there's a lot of interaction within my classroom. I've given them a checklist in terms of their materials. Uh, There's always video cameras going throughout my classes just to pull some resources out for my students. So there's a visual release uh, media form that then passes around as well. Uh, Then specifically instructions about how to pass it towards the middle, middle of the room, then pass it back up to me. So already I'm beginning to build that foot in the door of compliance. Already I'm beginning to build some interaction as well. And the same way that perhaps you've seen this before, trainers will often begin with some opening frames, a bit of a yes set, you know, so chances are you're here to achieve this. If that's true, nod your head. Good, we're on the same page. And then asking for more interaction like that. So it's that opening wedge, as Dave Ellman would call it. It's that foot in the door. It's that first hoop they have to jump through. So then a few moments later, where I'm then asking for interaction, where I'm then asking for a call and response, opening up discussion, this interaction is now no longer a weird thing. It's fully in the context of what we're doing. You know, I like to keep pointing out to hypnotists all over that uh, suggestion is not about verbal skills. Suggestion is also about physicality. It's also about kinesthetic suggestions, also about audible suggestions as well. And it's a bit of a diversion, but I'd reference... A brief thing, for example, that I've added to a Dave Elman induction. I don't get into all that extraneous language about, now don't help me out. Let me do all the work. Instead, I'll tell them, I'll pick up your arm a few inches, and I'll let it fall. As it falls, let it plop. And just collapse on down. And I'll give that little bit of an audible sound of my hand collapsing on the arm of my office chair here. And again, it's just that audible suggestion, which is going to begin to change that expectation. And just that sound alone has expedited my language in that moment. So again, if you're going to use interaction, pace and lead it prior to when you absolutely need it. Let's move on forward. The principles of NLP. Again, remembering that these aren't a bunch of techniques that were invented. They were discovered by modeling human excellence. So that's helpful to remember in terms of the tactics, specifically on the next point, about building rapport with your group. Rapport is something that is established Naturally. Rapport is something that is discovered and then through the modeling of human excellence, through the process of figuring out what it was that made people tick, that's when we then begin to understand how to then mirror and match what people are doing. Uh, The easiest description, mirroring would be that process of doing something that they're doing in a mirror image, and then matching would then be a process of doing that in a different context, and then crossover, mirroring, crossover, matching, all sorts of variations, again, which are beyond the context of this uh, recording. So we could begin to use a common language in terms of movement. We can use a common language in terms of vocabulary. We can use a common language in terms of sounds and expectations and experiences as well. What I'd point towards is perhaps an opinion that I have that's a little different than others, and that's that concept of building rapport with your group by means of how you dress, where they'd often say dress in the way that would be congruent with that audience. And I tend to want to up my game a little bit higher uh, to perhaps match the group but be one step above it. I've heard this phrase in a slightly negative way before to say dress as if you need to go somewhere more important after that event. And that can be taken out of context in all sorts of negative ways, but the main point being that dress for success, dress to get that rapport with that group. And I'd reference this in a different context, and at some point we'll do a whole recording in a little bit more detail all about uh, working with children, where someone say that I should dress down those days. But it's like those experiences I had when I was doing high school events uh, as a stage hypnotist do I want to build rapport with the children or do I want to build rapport with the principal, the administrator who's cutting my check? So I'm typically always in the suit and tie. And just as a person of pattern, just as a person trying to match a common theme and a bit of branding, typically it's that blue shirt, purple tie that you've perhaps looking at right now on your device as you're listening to this podcast as well. So building rapport with your group again. Begin to match their pace, begin to match their rhythms. Now, of course, once you've done that, back to the previous point about pacing and leading, establish their rhythm, but then begin to transition them into your rhythms. Begin to transition them into your pacing, your tonality, the systems in which you would like to speak with them. That's that tip for building rapport with your group. This next bit perhaps is a little hypnotic in nature, but perhaps has a little bit more to do with the storytelling formula, the structure of the process. And actually, uh, in an upcoming session, I've got a great interview with James Hazelrig, which is all about storytelling within hypnosis. That's coming up very soon. I got that great recording a couple of weeks ago. But what do I mean when I say use the movie formula? Well, what I mean by that is the way that most movies begin is really not as linear as storytelling as most presentations. The majority of presentations out there are rather straightforward in their structure. Hi there. Here's who I am. This is what I'm going to teach you today. Let me now teach it to you. Now let me sum it all up for you. And that's a great formula. It's stood the test of time. But what I like to call the movie formula tends to be my specific strategy to begin strongly to draw focus in, and then begin to transition into my content in a very congruent, very effective way. So start with a story. Start in the middle or the end of the story for the biggest punch as well. So there I was in the middle of the session, and the woman begins speaking in German. And I'm having to sit there and ask myself, okay, what do you do now? And I picked up her hand and dropped it and just said, okay, now you can speak as if you knew English at the time. And she began speaking in English, and then I began to relax and the rest of the session went well. So what's interesting is you don't quite know the context of that story, yet to begin in the middle of it from the point of challenge, the point of critical difficulty within that story, draws people in and begins to really effectively tell that story. To begin with the ending as well, You know, you've perhaps seen many movies out there that begin with the final scenes, and then it's the flashback, and the rest of the movie is the story in a linear structure leading up towards the end. Or perhaps it jumps back and forth. You know, I'm flashing to the movie of uh, The Usual Suspects, where there's Kevin Spacey's character being interviewed, and the end of the movie is the same as the beginning of the movie, where there he is being interviewed, and you're hearing the story, which is why his character is narrating most of the film, if I remember that correctly. And we won't blow the ending, though at this point, it's about 15 years later. Go back and watch that movie. It's fantastic. So looking at that structure of, there's a slow revelation of information, and then at the end of it, it all comes together. So consider that structure when you're giving a talk. Look at the overall arc of perhaps what the message, what the story, what your presentation needs to be about. And then, Pull out of that for a moment, dissociate out of it, and find a story. Work through metaphor to find an experience that you had that perhaps also begins to position you as the expert, as why you're speaking about that. And there's something interesting, too, especially in this uh, field of podcasting. Some of the most interesting podcasts that I find, uh, which is, again, what I've modeled if you go back to some of the interviews that I've done so far, You're coming into it in the middle of the conversation. It's not necessarily kicking off with, hi, I'm here today with this person. And it's that slow reveal. It's that slow demonstration, that slow unveiling of what the content is. just tends to be a fascinating tactic to really draw in your audience and really work with them. I'm also a big fan of commanding attention with a bold statement. You know, I recently told the story in hypnosis business bootcamp of my ride your elevator talk to the top formula. And specifically, there's a story of one time being at a networking event and giving a brief talk that began with this phrase, listen carefully because today's story ends with murder. Great. Now I've got your attention, which call it as it is. That's exactly why I use that phrase. And the rest of the story comes down to working with a rather high-powered lawyer who had a fear of bugs. And by the end of our process, together with hypnosis, she overcame the fear, and she was killing bugs with her bare hand. It used to be she'd have to check into a hotel and excuse herself from work and call in another lawyer to finish the court case, yet uh, now she was able to just squash him with her bare hand. Uh, and I apologize to those of you who are pulling on the animal rights side of things, but again, that's her goal. See your client where they are. Get them where they'd like to be. So commanding attention with a bold statement, which, by the way, if the tactic allows it, if there's opportunity for promotion, specifically at a convention, uh, what I've been doing recently is I'll record a little two or three minute video talking about that presentation. And then in the comments underneath it on Facebook, what I'll tend to do is give a bit of a pitch as to a specific piece of information that'll be unveiled in just a short while. So specifically, I recently gave a talk all about uh, online videos uh, to grow your business. And my pitch was, in the first five minutes, I will reveal a tactic which has brought in more than $10,000 already this year. And specifically using that phrase, and I opened with that statement, looked at my watch and realized, oh, I still have four minutes before I have to tell you that. And then I began to... Give a little bit more of a story. And then only at the right proper moments, at the five-minute mark, that's when I then launched into the specific strategy, which again at this point this year has brought in more than $10,000 of income. Very simple strategy. Perhaps we'll share it later. But I love to use this format, that movie formula is what I call it, to bring the entire talk, to bring the entire subject of what you're doing into context And then when it comes time to actually present the information, you've already positioned yourself as the expert. You're already clearly the most qualified person to be giving that presentation in that specific moment. Because they've already learned through metaphor. They've already learned through story. Why it is that you are so qualified to be presenting that information. Which leads directly to my next point in terms of hypnotic tips for public speaking. Notice the themes of uh, building anticipation. My principle is to delay your introduction until they care who you are. So let's go back to that movie formula. I've told a bit of a brief story. I've begun to introduce a concept and a theme. And only at the point of then bringing it all full circle, perhaps about five or six minutes, and tends to be my, my rule of this, only once I've established rapport and only once I've established credibility, Only at that point where in the back of my mind, I'd like to think they're begging to know who I am and what it is that I do, do I finally launch into my own self-introduction. I'm Jason Lynette. These are my qualifications. This is what I do. And today, this is what we're going to talk about. So as long as I can delay that, look, for example, at perhaps the structure of movies these days. If you go back to movies that were filmed in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and around that era, It used to be most of the credits were at the very beginning. There'd be a title screen, they'd display the names of the lead actors, they'd display the names of the supporting characters, the supporting actors, and then the crew, and then the technical stuff of the movie studio, then the movie would begin. And the final screen would actually be like a single, the end type thing. Which is a great format, because then those people who worked so hard to produce that movie... um, You have to read their names before the movie even begins. And as culture, as art forms have begun to advance, you'll often find that uh, here's movies where the title screen does not appear until later in the film. And indeed, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, one of the Christopher Nolan movies, I think it was the Batman trilogy, the newer one, uh, Dark Knight. If I remember right, it's about maybe 10 minutes into the movie before you even see the title. Although if I'm remembering right, I think the title never actually appears in that movie till the very end, which to be fair, you've bought the ticket, you're in the theater, you know what you're going to see. There's no surprise. But that strategy of delaying that title screen as long as possible is what I'm modeling here to delay my introduction and to the point where again, they care and they're ready to access my information, which then now we're into our presentation. And a quick note, my, my original career, uh, I went to college for management for the arts, and I worked for several years act- actually through the unions. Uh, I was a card-carrying member of Actors' Equity Association, but it's helpful to know that association, that organization, also organizes the stage managers, the production managers, which is what I was. So you see a big scale theatrical production and the wizard behind the curtain calling the cues and uh, giving all the orders and commands to make it all work and then working alongside the unions and working really hard to keep all these creative people happy and working together well. That's what I did. Now, from that though, uh, I developed a skill. Now, the backstory is I got wonderfully burned out from that career and left it behind, moved on to hypnosis, and have not looked back. It's now been about seven, eight years or so. So in that journey, though, there's one common thing that will often happen on stage. And here's one of those moments that separates the amateurs from the professionals. And that is, how do they respond to disruptions? Now, first of all, here's the classic example. The actor's on stage, they place a book on a table, the book falls and hits the ground. And the actor's in his head, trying to keep up with the rest of the cast, trying to keep up with the story, trying to keep up with everything that's so specifically timed, and I'll tell you, it's down to the second sometimes, and they're trying to play the game of pretend the book didn't fall over. Yet in that moment, the entire audience is staring at that book and wondering, when's he going to pick up that book? It's like when you watch a magician and they mess up a trick. And if you've watched enough, you start to ask yourself, is this supposed to happen? And it's that moment where then suddenly something else happens and it was all orchestrated. But on stage, the actor drops a prop. Or here's the really insanely detailed one. We would line ashtrays on stage with um, either Vaseline or water or some sort of non-flammable substance. Because if the actor has to smoke on stage, a cigarette, a cigar, whatever it may be... And they snuff it out in the ashtray that smoke rising up the audience will become well mesmerized by watching that for quite some time so what's the trick you put something wet in the ashtray that will snuff it out right away so there's no smoke and now the audience keeps the focus where it should be so needless to say if you're giving a presentation take that moment and actually acknowledge it pick it up move on you know this is also an opportunity for humor Uh, And I'm not saying humor in terms of telling jokes, although, of course, use it appropriately where your skills are. But there's often just that humanized moment of humor where just something happens. We acknowledge it. Can you crack a joke? Yeah. Wow. It's not gravity. The world just sucks today. Or whatever it is you want to say, Um, pick it up, just set it back down, or don't even bother breaking your rhythm. Just pick it up, set it back down where it's supposed to go, and move on which kind of relates to disruptions from the audience as well. Now, chances are uh, you should be in an environment where people... Okay, let's say it simply. It's 2014, turn off your damn cell phone. Uh, You're in a public presentation. Forgive the language, but you're in a public presentation. It's just common courtesy now. We shouldn't even have to give announcements for it. If you're somewhere where it'd be rude for your phone to go off turn the thing off. Although I'm reminded and um, I'm going to have to censor myself here and not say who the actor was, but it's one of those uh, character actors that I worked with that if I get a reference, um, oh, here's who it was. You'd go, oh, that guy. I'm reminded of a time that um, in the old career, he was on stage and this is a classic story, but it finally happened when I was in the room. He's on stage, he's performing, he's in the middle of amazing, amazing scene and the phone rings. And there's someone in the audience responding rather loudly. I'm at a play. Eh. <laughs> As if the question was, how is it? Eh, yeah, they weren't too interested. And this actor paused in the middle of his scene, just stared daggers at this woman looked back at the actor on stage he was with, shrugged, got a huge laugh from the audience, and then picked back up exactly where he was. You know, they call it breaking the fourth wall. You're technically not supposed to do that. And as the union liaison at times, I was supposed to correct that type of thing. But sometimes you just have to respond to reality and just pick back up where you were. In a previous career as well, I was actually uh, working at Busch Gardens Williamsburg And actually I was performing. I was doing, at the time I was interested in magic and I put together a magic of reading show and, um, oh, this is a negative story to tell. There's a parent hitting their child in the audience and, uh, talk about uncomfortable. I've got 300 people in front of me and anyone who's ever had any theme park experience knows the biggest rule is do not break character. And yet in that moment I had to, I took off my headset. I turned off my sound system and said, folks, I apologize But if I continue the program, I'm saying that what's going on in front of me is okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. If you enjoyed the program, stop by guest services. Uh, They made us say that, so I still said it. Um, That's the day I almost got fired. Um, But it turned out one of the major executives of that park was actually in the audience that day. There's the manager yelling at me, scolding me. And here comes the executive shaking my hand, just saying, that was classy. Wow, that took a lot of fill in the blank. So disruptions, sometimes you just have to deal with it. Now I'll share from working with stage hypnosis, specifically in high schools, I never want to be the bad guy, but I'll pause and I'll just give a glance to that person who's perhaps interrupting. Then look at the rest of the audience and go back to what I'm doing. And what's wonderful about that strategy is I don't even have to say a word And again, this is going to be extremely rare, but what I'm doing there is just acknowledging to the person, I see what's going on, looking at the group, acknowledging this is happening. And then should the problem happen again, now the audience is policing that person for me rather than me having to stop and be the bad guy. So again, handle these moments with class. What do I not recommend? Don't go out and buy an entire book of heckler stoppers because chances are for the environments where you'll likely be doing public speaking, that is completely inappropriate. So no, don't do that. Moving on now to uh, some more of our hypnotic language. Let's go into our representational systems, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. Now, can you calibrate to your entire group and use the right form of speech for that entire group? Well, maybe, you know, maybe we can begin to draw some generalizations that perhaps... If it's a specific niche market, a specific trade group, maybe that group might be a little bit more kinesthetic. Maybe they might be more visual. Maybe they might not be so auditory. You know, not everybody, not everyone is gonna be just one thing. It's different layers of each one. So perhaps if it's a group that you think may be a little bit more kinesthetic in nature, and let me admittedly overgeneralize here. If I'm speaking to a group of massage therapists, I might use more feeling words then perhaps I would be using a lot of auditory words. Again, it's a generalization, but sometimes that massive generalization can be a little safe and perhaps a little bit more reliable. That being said, the visual cortex is a big part of the mind, so those terms. But it's like the same advice in a hypnotic session. We want to begin to use ambiguous language, sensory ambiguous language, so people begin to sort in their own representational systems. So notice the amazing changes as opposed to look at the amazing changes. Rather than picture this, just simply asking them to imagine this. And there's a simple thing that I've always done for stage hypnosis that I've heard many others do as well in different formats with different terminologies. In a moment, I'm going to count from one to three. At the count of three, you'll find yourself relaxing on an amazing beach. And I'm going to use that count of one to three to hit my representational systems on one side of things to further compound the suggestions but on the other side of things, just to work that VAK, to work the different representational systems. So one, as if there you are in a beautiful island air, the sun is shining. It's a beautiful, rich blue sky. Two, take a nice deep breath Then, as you can feel that warm island air surrounding your body. And three, let the eyes open and become aware of all the amazing sounds around you of that beach and perhaps at this point. The stage hypnotist is firing off a sound cue of beach sound effects or island music, whatever it might be. Uh, I believe uh, Mark, Savard, Mark Savard has a great bit about triple loading suggestions, which reaches all in the same terms. And um, Seek out his training if you'd like to learn more about that. And as the final point in part one, this is going to be a part two series again. Uh, so coming up in a few days, part two of hypnotic tips for public speaking. The last point of this one is to review the order of your content. You know, I may sometimes jokingly pat myself on the back, but uh, this is actually a skill that I've um, worked really hard to develop over the years. And specifically, I'll tell you where it came from. At the beginning of this recording, I talked about listening to different presentations from conventions, from various audios, and all sorts of educational sources. And indeed, I'm a guy who also buys a lot of information products in the business and marketing arenas. And there's a specific format that to go back and listen to it just grates at me. And it's that format of, you know, I want this to be more of an open conversation. So if you have questions, just jump in, just raise your hand and just ask right away. Well, I'd like to phrase it this way. You're the one giving that presentation because you're the one who should be giving that presentation. So I'd rather see the format. It just tends to be so much cleaner of... I'm going to speak for a while, and I'll use better language to describe this in a moment. I'm going to speak for a while, and then I'll open up for questions. And perhaps I'll say it with a bit of a dangling carrot at the end for a group. I've prepared a lot of great information for you today, a lot of great information to cover. So I'm going to go through it briefly. If you have questions, I recommend you write them down, because I've structured this information in a way that chances are the questions you're going to want to ask I'm going to be covering later on. So when you have those questions, write them down and then we'll take breaks and answer those specifically. But again, chances are if I've done my job, I'll address them as we roll forward. And I'd give the example of the process of filming hypnosis business bootcamp. I racked my brain getting the content in the right order. And most of the questions that were asked in that live class, which is now the info product, I ended up editing out Not for the reason of, oh, no, we don't want to give that away, but for a simple reason of, that was something I was about to cover in the next phase. So if you've structured your information correctly, the questions that the group can be asking should be responded to with, that's coming later. And indeed, if you were at any of my presentations I gave at the NGH convention, uh, if you think back, the questions I was getting, nearly every single one of them, I was able to respond We'll get to that later. Let's lay the foundation first. Now, to be fair though, that there's very often times where we're limited. Um, I did a two-hour presentation on automation. I could do five days on that. I love that stuff. And in a two-hour workshop, you just simply can't cover everything. I built my business doing network marketing. And I could talk for days on that stuff, you know, going to live networking events. But in the shape of one hour, there's only so much information that can be covered. So to give just enough information to let them wanting more. Present just enough information that they're wanting more. So with that in mind, I've got so much more to share with you. Again, this has been session number 13, Hypnotic Tips for Public Speaking, part one. Stay tuned, part two is coming to you very soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Please visit the WorkSmart Hypnosis podcast listing on iTunes and share your positive feedback.